Welcome to the Passive Income Through Multifamily Real Estate Podcast, brought to you by APT Capital Group, where Kyle and Lalita talk to top experts and seasoned passive investors in the business to help provide clarity and key insights to keep you safe on your journey to financial freedom. Our goal is to help you get educated on how to create passive income for you and your family using real estate as your vehicle. If you enjoy the show, please go to iTunes and leave a rating and written review to help us grow and reach more listeners. Now, here are your hosts, Kyle and Lolita. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Passive Income Through Multifamily Real Estate Podcast. I'm your co-host, Lolita, also joined by Kyle. Before we get started, please make sure to head over to our website, aptcapitalgroup.com, and grab our free Passive Investor's Guide. And if you're interested in learning more about what we do, you can schedule a call with Kyle on our website. Join us at the Virtual Asset Management Summit on June 21st through June 27th. It's a seven-day content-packed event for multifamily operators and asset managers with over 1,500 attendees and over 20 amazing speakers. You will hear from top experts about topics such as construction management, KPIs, refinancing, investor relations, the capital stack, disposition, and so much more. Go to www.amsummit2021.com to grab your free ticket to become the best-in-class operator. Discover the best asset management strategies all in one place. We hope to see you there at the Virtual Asset Management Summit. All right, let's get into our show. Today, we have the one and only Kathy Fedke here with us. Kathy, what a privilege once again. How are you doing? Thank you so much. I'm doing great and really glad to be here. Awesome. Well, before we head into the interview, here's a little bit about Kathy. Kathy is co-CEO of The Real Wealth Network and is the host of The Real Wealth Show. Since 2003, Kathy has been helping people build passive income streams through high cash flow real estate investments nationwide. Kathy was named one of the top 100 most intriguing entrepreneurs by Goldman Sachs two years in a row and is a regular guest expert on Fox News, CNBC, Bloomberg, ABC, and CNN. To say the least, Kathy, it's an honor to have you here. So let's jump right in. And Kathy, go ahead and tell the listeners a little bit more about what you do and uh, about yourself. Sure. Yeah. I'm the co-CEO of Real Wealth Network. My other CEO is my husband, Rich, and we have now almost 54,000 members at Real Wealth. Started it completely by accident without any intention of um, having a real estate investor group worldwide. It really started in 2003 when my husband was diagnosed with melanoma. He was misdiagnosed and told that he had maybe six months to live because they thought it had metastasized. Fortunately, the doctor was wrong and he is fine and healthy today. And they, you know, they cut out all the melanoma and and any places where it had gone, but we didn't know at the time. And because there was a lot of tests and, you know, medical bills are expensive and we did not have the right insurance because it was a little detail we didn't pay attention to. We were in massive debt. We did not know if the doctor was right or not. We had just bought a big house outside of San Francisco. We had two little kids and it was terrifying. So at the same time, I had a career in broadcasting. So I had my radio show and just started interviewing people who 
were able to create income and passive income specifically, because if the doctor was right, I wanted to be able to stay home with my kids, but still make money. And this whole virtual work thing wasn't really a reality back then. So I learned and by interviewing successful people to find out how they were doing it. And I'm really happy to say that 17, 18 years later, some of those same fundamentals that I learned back then are more true today than ever. So that's the good news is you haven't missed it. The way that people create wealth is still true today. And if anything, maybe even more of an opportunity. Yep. Awesome. Well, your journey has been fantastic. We followed you throughout some of it as well. And congratulations on all your success. Thank you. So today we're going to talk about the single family home market and how it's kind of performed during COVID through COVID. But first, I want to start with kind of an overview on how it was looking just pre-COVID. How was the single house market looking and how was it performing? Well, it was gangbusters. I mean, we were busier than ever, had more new members to real wealth than ever and memberships free. So, you know, just really having more people wanting to learn what we were seeing already. And we've been seeing for 10 years was a shift, a demographic shift where and it happens over time anyway, where it, things get too expensive to live any kind of comfortable life. So people start to move and employers do the same thing. So employees were already moving to more affordable locations, more business-friendly locations. They were bringing their employees with them and the employees were finding that they could have a better lifestyle because the cost of living was so much less. And so we were just following those trends. Back in 2005, I learned it from interviewing Robert Kiyosaki on The Real Wealth Show. And I only knew California. I really hadn't been outside of California that much. And he had said, that he was selling everything in California because it had, you know, prices had gone up so much from those bad loans. He had sold everything in California and had bought in Texas. And I thought, well, why Texas? I mean, now everybody knows why, but back then people didn't. And so he said, well, because jobs are moving there because they've removed a lot of regulations and they made it very, very tax friendly for these businesses. So people are moving there and yet the housing is so cheap. And I thought, well, if it's good enough for Kiyosaki, it's good enough for me. So Rich and I jumped on a plane and we, I was a mortgage broker at the time and you could literally get zero down investor loans. <laughs> and I was, I could write them for myself. So we found five brand new homes outside of Dallas in a little town called Rockwall, where we knew there was a new freeway coming in and, and lots of jobs coming in from California. And we were able to buy these homes between $120,000 and $140,000, beautiful brand new homes in the path of progress that rented for like $1,500 a month, doing for no money down at the time. So we bought five and flew home and talked about it on the Real Wealth Show. And the next thing you know, everybody else wanted it. And they're like, they're like, we want to do that. And that's when our business was born, helping people acquire properties out of state, you know, which can be really scary. So that's how it started. But that's the trend that was continuing over the past 10 years and was definitely in play before the pandemic. Got it. So how has single family homes and single family home rentals performed over the last 10 plus months with COVID now? Well, yeah. So then when March hit, and you know, here we have thousands of people that we've helped buy these homes across the country. They're locked into loans. You know, I had been through the housing crisis and we just thought, oh boy, you know, did we mess it up? You know, are, are, are all these people who own homes and they have mortgages on these homes, are they not going to get their rent? You know, and then are they going to lose these properties? Are we looking at another foreclosure crisis? So it was a really scary time. I think everybody was just like, it was silence. You know, like what? And so we got together 
because basically our business model is what I said. We've found the teams that we found in Dallas for our acquisitions. We've found teams like this all over the country. So we have 15 property managers that we work with in different markets that we refer people to. So we thought, well, let's be proactive and let's have some Zoom calls and get all 15 property managers on the call and figure out how we're going to get through this. And it was so calming. And then I thought, well, let's broadcast it. So it's not just private information. Let's make it public what we're talking about and how we're going to deal with these challenges. So what they discovered is obviously these tenants were in big trouble. They were losing their jobs, whether they were good at them or not. They were just legally not allowed to go to work. And it wasn't the tenant's fault at all. So what the property managers came up with is, hey, we're going to work with them. We're going to find ways to have payment plans. We're going to show them how to get a new job. You know, like here's the listings. Here's these new, you know, there's actually jobs being created in the midst of this pandemic because people are still spending money. They still got to eat. They still got to buy things. They're just doing it differently. So either the property managers helped them find the new jobs. Then the stimulus came out and was like, oh, let me help you get stimulus, unemployment checks. Let me make sure you're on unemployment. So you're getting all this money. And it just became like a service of how can we help these tenants? And sure enough, we had higher collections than ever because obviously during a pandemic, nobody wants to get booted. Nobody wants to have to go find a new place to live or live on the street. You know, you're going to do what you can to stay in a safe place home. And that's what people did. They took their stimulus checks or they found other work or they went on unemployment and they made paying their rent a priority. So even though there's an eviction moratorium and some people are unable to pay their rent and aren't going to get booted, most people realize at some point that's going to end. And then what? You know, then I'm going to have bad credit. I'm not going to, I'm going to get booted eventually and then have to find another place who's going to take me if I've been evicted. So for the most part, I mean, Almost across the board, we have not had any impact from the eviction moratorium. If anything, we've had more applications because the dynamics that were in place before the pandemic radically increased afterwards. So as more people were able to work from home and live anywhere, they started migrating to places that were more affordable, which has been our focus, but also have attractive things about them like no state income tax. If you're really on a budget, you might find living in Florida really attractive because there's no state income tax. That's a big difference. A big deal. In California, we pay 12 to 14% more, you know, for living here. And so in the same with Texas, Nevada. So, you know, we just continue to see people say, wow, I can live anywhere. I can have a home with a yard and four bedrooms and, and more space and, you know, better schools for my kids. And so they're moving and they're moving in droves from New York and New Jersey to Florida and the Carolinas and, and Georgia and so forth. And they're moving from California in droves to Nevada and Arizona and Texas and also Florida. So those are the areas we were already in and focused on. We already have teams there and our property managers have been busier than ever with better applications than they've ever seen, more qualified tenants than they've ever seen. It has been incredible. It's been incredible. Yeah, Lolita and I actually just made the decision yesterday. We're moving to Scottsdale, Arizona out of California for many reasons. For me, I want to just be able to go to the gym for crying out loud because it's been a year. But yeah, I mean, all those things that you said were a lot of the reasons why we're doing that. So if you invest in the right markets, you're a lot safer, which kind of leads me to my next question. What are some ways people can reduce their risk of investing in any real estate right now with the eviction moratorium? 
it's not an easy thing, you know, and you think, should I wait on the sidelines to buy? Is it okay to buy right now? Because who knows how long the eviction moratorium will go for. My opinion is it will go all the way through 2021 now. So how can people reduce their risk when they still want to purchase right now? It's such a good question. And I actually just did my 2021 housing forecast, (laughs) which is posted on our website to address that very question. Because what I learned when I started back in 2003, with the help of Robert Kiyosaki kind of telling me what he was doing and many other investors that I interviewed, was that there's no housing market. There's no job market. Every market is different. Every city behaves differently. So what we discovered during the last nine months is there are certain cities in this country that have lower unemployment than before the pandemic. They've created more jobs. Isn't that amazing? So wouldn't you want to own real estate there? And some of those places like Salt Lake City has actually more jobs than before the pandemic. Reno, same thing. You've got Austin is booming. Nashville, the area between Tampa and Orlando is just absolutely just booming, booming, booming. But then you've got areas that are really, really affected, generally areas that were more dependent on hospitality, right? Hotels and restaurants and any places that are, you know, touristy event places like Las Vegas. I mean, it has been hit so hard because most of the industry is dependent on that. And that is one of the reasons why I never really invested in Las Vegas, even when it was so cheap. I was nervous to do that. I kind of regretted it afterwards because the prices went up so much. But it's like, this is an industry that's so dependent on tourism. I don't like being anywhere that's dependent on one industry like that. I don't like it. I'd rather be in Dallas where, you know, there's so many industries that if the if tech crashes, you still got, you know, 50 other industries there, <laughs> you know, you got Indianapolis that has, I think ex- Experienced a 3% difference, you know, in pre-COVID, post-COVID in terms of jobs. So paying attention to where you're investing and what the economic drivers are in that place. And is this area growing with jobs of the future? We can't be looking at jobs of the past. This is really, truly the new normal. We're not going back, I don't think, necessarily to the way things were ever, because look at what we're hearing. It's mutating. And they think that the, the, the vaccine, you know, there's, oh, the vaccine's going to save everything. We don't know that. It says, you know, that we don't know that yet. And it doesn't seem like it even lasts that long. You know, So, you know, people, we're going to have to find a new way to live, a, a new way to be living great lives in this kind of era. And I think people are figuring that out. Do you still believe in real estate long-term? Absolutely. You know, what we're seeing, there was even talk of office buildings, you know, there's no need for them. That's just not true. If anything, there might be more need because those who do need to work in an office together might need more space. You know, when you think about the number of people who died from the flu, I always found that really fascinating that so many people had died from the flu and they haven't, you know, this year, because why? Guess what? People aren't going to work. They're not going to work taking Sudafed and pretending they're not sick, you know, so people are getting sick. And I think that is, there's going to be a lot that comes out of this, that we're going to learn from this experience and, and things are going to change. So I actually think more than ever, real estate is valuable. People are going to maybe be doing more entertaining at home, more dining at home, working from home, schooling from home. So they're going to want more space. You do talk a lot about market timing. Is now one of those times? 
It always is one of those times. Okay. <laughs> okay. Market timing is everything. Always. That's all I'm obsessed with, really. I'm obsessed with it because I've seen how you can make so much money by timing things right and how you can lose so much money timing things wrong. You know, in our case, just this little tip from Kiyosaki that, hey, you know, these people in California got in with liar loans when those loans adjust. And I knew because I was a mortgage broker, I knew exactly what was happening. When those loans adjust, people aren't going to be able to pay them. But in, in Texas, they don't have those kind of loans. They're solid loans. And when they adjust, actually, people can still afford them. So it'll be fine. That was an incredible opportunity back then. Then shortly after, there was an opportunity to buy foreclosures. Then shortly after that, there was an opportunity to buy land for almost nothing. There's always opportunity. So the next opportunity might be small multifamily because there are a lot of operators who who have not known how to do kind of what we did, which is hey, let's do whatever we can to help these tenants. There's operators who just didn't know what to do and they are suffering from these eviction moratoriums and they're not well-managed or maybe they inherited these properties and just had no business operating them. So there will be most likely an opportunity in smaller multifamily for someone to come in, take the risk today, but really manage them well and understand the laws and, and regulations. And you know, there could be some risk in the beginning, but if, you know, good operators can really come in and help. Yeah, I love that you said that because, you know, during COVID, it's actually made us better operators, you know, and that gap is really going to be created now from the good operators to the ones that don't really know what they're doing. And I do think there'll be an opportunity for the better operators to come in and kind of right the wrongs over the last 10 months. But as bad as the pandemic has been, you can either look at that as an opportunity to get better or, you know, not do anything. And for those of the people that did do better and recreated themselves and implemented further systems to improve, they're really going to see a benefit from it. Yeah. There's opportunity now to buy the distressed hotels that you're just not operating and turn those into affordable housing. Lots of people are looking at that. So there's always opportunity, always. How do you think the new administration's policies, if they're passed, are going to affect real estate over the next four years or longer? You know, there's a lot of fear, a lot of fear from people who don't want change. There's a lot of joy for those who do. It's a split country. So, you know, depending on where you are, you're excited or you're terrified. I just want to let you know that we've been here before. You know, in 2009, we had a full democratic government. And if you look back at that time, there were incentives to buy. There was the $9,000 tax credit. So a full democrat government is really, really supportive of housing, really supportive of it. At least that's what history has shown us. And we do see that with the new Biden administration, there will probably be a tax credit, a bigger one, like $15,000 to buy your first home, which is great because more people can really secure their future buying real estate. Uh, and I hope it will be spread to those who haven't really been able to get in up till now, which would require more affordable housing to come on the market. So hopefully that will be an option too. But you know, when you really look at history, we also saw job creation during that time when we had a full Democrat Congress and president. So what we've seen over the past is that, especially over this pandemic, over the past nine months, that real estate was the highlight of the economy. You know, it was the one industry that was positive in the double digits. People, you know, renovating their homes. So Home Depot, you know, was busy with construction workers, building new homes, trying to keep up with, you know, real estate agents being busy. I mean, it was really the highlight of the economy. And the government knows that. 
So I'm not worried at all. I think if anything, the best efforts of the Biden administration to make housing more affordable, unfortunately, is going to do the opposite because with tax credits, with low interest rates, you have more demand and you already have limited supply and that drives prices up. So this gap is only going to continue between the haves and the have nots. If you have somehow the ability to acquire property, you're going to probably see prices go up because of all the stimulus that in the past has proven to create inflation. And inflation means prices go up and makes it harder for people who are trying to get in. Absolutely. My last question before we get into the final four, and you've kind of already hit on your top markets, but what are your top three or four markets looking for that are doing the things that you talked about that are kind of evolving into these newer kind of cities that you need to be nowadays versus the old days? Yeah, well, as much as I really love Salt Lake City and Austin and Nashville, we personally haven't been able to find properties that cash flow enough in those markets as much as I wish I could. And I, I really I think they're, they're booming. So we try to focus on areas that are booming, but also have affordable housing and prices haven't gone up enough. So it's like you have to sort of overlook certain markets in a way to find sort of off the radar ones that are also having growth, maybe not as massive, but it's still growth, but you're getting stuff for cheaper because the world isn't chasing, you know, those markets to buy stuff. I mean, you've got international money going after the headline cities, right? So, you know, some of the places that are a little bit more off the radar, I like Jacksonville, Florida, Charlotte is great. Huntsville, it's kind of hard to find things there, but that's in Alabama. Birmingham, Indianapolis has been an amazing market for us. And if I were to buy something today and what we have been doing, because we do have a fund where we investors we pulled the funds and we bought the single family. We balanced it out with cash flow properties in pretty linear markets like Ohio and Indianapolis, and then offset it with higher price, lower cash flow, but growth markets like Florida. So, you know, uh, $200,000 homes in Florida that kind of cash flow, maybe 5% offset with properties in the Midwest that are cash flowing better, but both are seeing rapid appreciation. Yeah, perfect. All right, Lolita is going to take us into our final four questions. Are you ready? Yeah. Choosing the right insurance coverage for multifamily properties isn't that complicated, if you know who to talk to. At the Garzella Group, we're uniquely qualified to help you navigate the range of policy choices you have, and we're committed to saving you 30% in the process. We do intensive market research and have nationwide relationships, so we can find coverage other insurance brokers simply can't. We should talk. Go to quotenow.biz, and we'll start the conversation. All right, Kathy, here we go. What is the one tool you use in real estate investing that you could not do without? Honestly, the tool that we use at Real Wealth is boots on the street. So I was going to try to come up with some high-tech answer, but the really insights that we get are from real estate investors who live in that market and they really know what's going on. They know where the path of progress is and they help us get in front of that. Can you tell us a story about one of your biggest mistakes in real estate investing and the main takeaway for our listeners? Yeah. When I started out, I took the great advice from Kiyosaki and we bought like 10 properties in Dallas and really did that well. And then I thought I was an expert. I thought I was so good at this. And then I saw a headline news that Boise, Idaho was the next Texas. I'm not sure why I 
believed that headline because headlines are just headlines and they're done by reporters who maybe don't know much about it. No offense. You know, I, my career was in media. But anyway, I went to Boise. I bought three houses. Then the downturn happened. And what I learned later is what I was already teaching. I'd been teaching people only invest in markets that have at least a million people that gives you a large amount of renter base and it have a diversified economy. And Boise only had three major employers. And then when the downturn hit, there was one major employer and people lost their jobs and we had vacancies and it was a really difficult time. So that's my response is really focus on areas that have job diversification. And I personally like areas that have a million people in the metro area. What is it that you need to do now to grow your life to the next level? Well, I think COVID did it for me. It helped me slow down. I didn't really, even though I was teaching, kind of getting out of the rat race, what was happening is I was being asked to speak all across the country and I was traveling a lot. And as much as I loved it, I'm finding that I'm able to still speak, but I don't have to travel. Like now I get to do more (laughs) Zoom. So really taking the time to be grounded, spend more time focusing on my plan and being super clear about what that plan is. Great. And last but not least, where can people find out more about you? You can go to realwealthnetwork.com and we've got like 500 webinars there for education and training and lots of data on different metros that we think are great for rental property. And of course, the Real Wealth Show podcast. Amazing. Well, there you have it, everyone from one of the best in the industry. Kathy, a million thank yous for being here with us on our show. Thank you so much. Thanks, Kathy. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please go to iTunes and leave a rating and written review to help us grow and reach more listeners. You can also go to the Passive Income Through Multifamily Real Estate group on Facebook so you can connect with Kyle and Lolita and ask your questions that you want them to answer on the show. Subscribe too so that you can get the latest episodes. Lastly, to stay updated, head on over to aptcapitalgroup.com and sign up for the newsletter. If you're interested in partnering with Kyle and Lolita, sign up on the Contact Us page so you can talk to them directly. Thanks again for joining us. Be sure to tune in next week for another episode.